Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life, looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome, and let's get started. I have grown to love how organically my episodes arrive. Guests can seem to come out of thin air, popping up to have a conversation with me just as I'm starting to get a bit anxious about what am I going to do for the next episode. And I'm excited about the direction of the show. I can see where humanity is heading. The hero's path is lit before us and we are resourced for this journey. I know the conversations that I want to have. I can almost sense their form in the imaginal realm. Can you sense it as well? It's whispering to us through myth. My guest today arrived in a similar synchronistic fashion, a charming young woman who I now see as a fellow seeker. And our conversation reminded me about something important, that our joy and sense of innocence and wonder are part of our gifts. The divine loves that through this whole spiritual war that we've been a part of, we can still laugh and play and express tremendous joy and gratitude. It's incredible, isn't it? Humanity is truly astounding. We show our strength in so many ways, our resilience and heart, our love and commitment, our deep loyalty to one another, and our fighting spirit, our warrior spirit. All are undeniable. But one aspect of strength that doesn't often get mentioned is our capacity for joy and play, this dance with the divine. For isn't play and joy a sure sign of our faith? Faith in God, faith in the divine plan, faith in one another, and faith in our own place in this emerging story. If we can carry all the spiritual warrior's gifts and not give up our childlike innocence and joy, what can't we do together? Thank you for riding shotgun with me, my friend. I have enjoyed our conversation and your insights on this incredible journey that we've all been on together. My guest today is Walkiria Whitlock. Walkiria is an author, yoga teacher, and a young woman who has followed her dreams traveling to over 29 different countries. Her personal mission is to bring more joy to the world through the practice of gratitude. Here is my interview with Walkiria Whitlock. Okay, I am here with Walkiria Whitlock, writer and yoga and meditation teacher, thought leader, Walkiria Whitlock. Walkiria, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. Uh, Wal- Walkiria is a mouthful to say, Walkiria Whitlock. You're like, <laughs> I'm like, I hope I can get this right. Uh, what, kind of, what, kind of na- what kind of name is that? Did they? Was that a family name or is that... It is a family name. Do you know the song Ride of the Valkyries by Wagner? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was named after my great grandmother who was named after that song, but they were Spanish speaking. So they called it Valkyria. Oh, I love it. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I came across you um, through social media. I, I had seen your profile on LinkedIn and we were connected that way. And I just started clicking on your stuff and I was like, oh, she's a writer. Um, she's, she's in her 20s um, and she seems to be kind of a like-minded seeker. And I was really struck. I, I read some of your writing and I'm like, oh, she's a really good writer. Um, and I saw there was a story there where you had uh, basically sold everything you had and, and you went to Fiji and... Um, as part of your hero's journey, part of a new chapter in your life with like $50. And I was like, God, this, this, per, this woman is so gutsy. And, you know, it, it reminded me that, that sometimes to, 
to to enter a new chapter of your life, you have to take a risk. Like it, it mm-hmm. it's not always your the next chapters of your hero's journey is not always going to hit you over the head. Like sometimes people think, well, if I just you know I'm just going to keep my nose down and do stuff, and I'll look out for opportunities. But sometimes you know, the hero's journey, it requires something kind of drastic to indicate to the universe that, hey, I'm ready. I'm, I'm down with whatever. I will, I will answer the call. And I just wanted to get your perspective. Like, did that lead to, you know, a new version of yourself? Did that, what were the, what were the lessons that you kind of took away from that really gutsy, you know, not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody's going to have an impulse and say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to see what happens. But you did, then you became a teacher and author and stuff. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how did that, how did that initial kind of, I'm going to go for this. Um, what did you learn? What did you learn about yourself? And and then what did it lead to after you did that? Yeah, totally. Well, I just wanted to touch on that whole thought that you were talking about, about how sometimes you're just like waiting for that opportunity to come and doing the same thing. Well, I really believe in action. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you want to live a different life, then you have to start by living differently. Mm -hmm. You know, it might just be a little change and those little changes and you should just start small. I I actually started before this, before moving to Fiji, I started meditating and Mm -hmm. I started journaling and those two things really changed my life, like changed my perspective. And I decided to go to Fiji because I had always wanted to travel the world. Um, I had just recently dropped out of college at that point. I had no idea what my plans were. I knew that I wanted to write. I knew that that was a gift that I had. I wanted to write and travel the world. Those were my only two things that I could think of at that time. Love it. Yeah. So I actually just dropped out and then I ended up selling my car and moving to Fiji. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> I was living in the basement of a frat house at the time. And I had a friend who was finishing up school at University of Hawaii and was moving to Fiji because she was part Fijian. And that's what prompted me to choose Fiji. So mm-hmm. I had changed, right? Like I had made changes a few months prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whole life was changing. And then that opportunity arised. And I said, yes, I think that's another thing is when you have those opportunities that strike up like that, say yes, absolutely, try, have faith. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I really had no doubt in my mind that things would not work out when I left. That's good. Yeah, it's that that really kept me because I actually didn't know that you needed to have a return flight out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you need to have a certain amount of money in your bank account. I didn't know that you had to have the address of where you're staying when you arrive as well. And um, I made it through customs because of my friend, like the connection that she has is quite a big she, one. <laughs> she, vouched, she vouched for you and, and they knew who she was. I just told who, them the name of the person I was staying with. And then they stamped my passport. Like, like, oh, oh, that's yeah. great. That's Isn't great. it? So it also goes to show you that 
you already know what you need to know. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another thing. Um, we sometimes spend a lot of time trying to like research and prepare ourselves for things rather. I, I mean, I have an entrepreneurial spirit really. And I'm just like, okay, I'll try it. And then I'll learn what I need to from trying it. That's fantastic. I don't really like waste a lot of time in that regard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't overthink it. Right. Where you're just like, that's one of the things like people will sometimes overthink challenges or they'll be like, should I do that? And they'll kind of talk themselves out of it just by piling up a bunch of thoughts about how it could not work out. Or Mm -hmm. maybe this isn't the smartest thing to do. Maybe I should finish college and just get a job. But you know, if your if your spirit isn't calling you that way, um, and then you have a writer's spirit. Writers, we have to by our nature, we have to experience a lot of things. That's what gives our writing depth. If, if mm-hmm. we're just going to work at a normal job and try to do writing on the weekends, our writing is going to be really one-dimensional. We have to take risks, put ourselves in unusual situations, um, and and you know, and meet lots of people, have lots of great conversations. That's what gives the writing something that has oomph. You know what I mean? No, yeah. Um, were you always? I was going to ask you. Were you always? Um, uh, sort of a seeker? Were you always somebody that was looking for meaning in life? Let's say, um, was that something that struck you kind of yeah. early? Was that what, like, as a child, were you like that? Or was that something that kind of you noticed as you went off to college and you were like, well, you know, I'm not liking these kind of options about getting a job or, you know, when, when did you start noticing, look, I'm really looking for deeper meaning for me? You know, it was when I was a teenager that I started to notice at least that I was looking for deeper meaning. I think that as a child, I was just simply enjoying life. And then as I got older and I had quite strict parents and I was also quite a rebellious child. (laughs) Um, So I spent a lot of time grounded. And so in that time, I would be like really deep in thought Mm -hmm. and questioning, which helped me to learn about my own company, right? And looking a little bit deeper. But it was during that time that I actually didn't believe in anything. And I always blamed it on the bad stuff that was happening to me or had happened to me. Mm -hmm. I just was like my real dad basically just disappeared out of my life when I was eight, although they had been divorced since my mom uh, since I was four. And, um, when my mom remarried, you know, I had a, a stepdad that was, um, like dealing with his childhood traumas in a sense. Right. And, um, then I, I just had this bad relationship with men, Mm -hmm. just a bad relationship with men. And, Um, I just didn't believe in anything. And then when I left and went to college, I could feel something. And it was cool because I had a new environment. I had moved out. So I had a lot of like hope and excitement and um, I could feel the energy. So that was what I stuck with for a bit. 
I was like, I believe in energy. And then I learned about Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And then I started to go to Christian churches again. And I learned a little bit about the Muslim religion. And I love to try to go to new churches. I'm actually Mm -hmm. an omnist. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there's a core truth in all religions that we're all teaching in a basically a different way. But I think really the principles do come to the same thing, like mm-hmm. there being like one divine power and um, kindness and patience and faith and love and hope. Like those are all <laughs> the things that you should be focusing on and striving for. And those are all good things. And yeah, so... I think that all of the churches kind of teach you a different way of understanding how to incorporate those types of principles, right? Many ways up the mountain, as the mystics say, right? Yeah. I, I I was always kind of in love with the divine, you know, I, I wasn't particularly religiously raised, although my father's um, Catholic, um, they left us to sort of just, you know, do, you know, just be raised, have a normal childhood. But I really started to get interested in God uh, and spirit and spiritual traditions. A, a little bit like you, when I went to college, all of a sudden I was reading about meditation and I was getting these books on mysticism in the East, like uh, Be Here Now by Ram Dass and, and then mm-hmm. and some, some of those like early uh, Western classics in Eastern philosophy. And, you know, it just, it just lit my fire. I just loved that whole world of spirit and soul. And then it just, you know, as I got older, it was just more, more patterns, more, more meaning, you know, I would go, you know, to different, uh, spiritual teachers just to see what they had to say a little bit like you were, where I was starting to put it together that maybe they were all talking about the same transcendent truths. Uh, and then I got really into myth when I got into my forties where I was really studying myth and really like, what is, what is this trying to teach me? What is this trying to let me know? And I always, always sort of, uh, had this kind of true North about God, but it was not, not just the masculine God. I got really into Gnosticism and the, and the, uh, divine feminine and all the goddess stuff. And I was able to sort of keep it, uh, keep it all working in a way for me. I it, one did not cancel the other. I was, I, I felt like I was in these meta narratives, um, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't ever imagine not being interested in the, this topic because it is just the center of my life. You know, it's my, what my wife and I talk about when we're just shooting the, you know, shooting the bull, we'll just talk about this stuff. So I'm, Aww. I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have a life partner who has, who shares this kind of deep interest in it. Um, so important. yeah. And you know, you're only, you're 29. Is that right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, we'll call it 29. Uh, and, um, but it's unusual for me to find somebody that seems to have their kind of a clear purpose, you know, and, and I, we talk about life purpose quite a bit on Basecamp for Men. It, it was part of those early episodes I did. And I've taught a lot of workshops to men. I, I, I teach men because, you know, it was just, I felt called to do it. Men really needed some help uh, figuring things out in terms of narrative, but you know, you're, you're so young to have this kind of, you seem to have your road in front of you in a clear way. And I was just curious to ask you, like, how did you, how did you go about finding that? Because I, I know people that are in their forties, fifties, sixties, and still would, if they're really honest would say, I don't really 
quite know how or I don't have a clear purpose. I'm just kind of doing the best I can to be kind to people, have compassion, which is fine. Um, but you seem to really have found a, 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 a clear purpose and road for yourself to go. And I was just, I was just curious to ask you, like, how did you go about that? Was it through like prayer and meditation? Was it just, do you just feel like you're aligned and it just happened or, or did you have to actually consciously say, I want to, I want to have a life purpose that, that is meaningful to me? Yeah. So in 2019, I would say I felt super lost, even though I had been on this spiritual journey for gosh, probably like seven years at that point, you know, and I just still didn't know what I wanted for my future or what I wanted to do or what, you know, like what was going on. And so I actually quit everything and I did all of the things that they say that you should do for about three months. I did the um, lemon water, meditation, yoga, gratitude journal, um, you know, that whole kind of thing for about three months and then COVID happened. And then I couldn't go back to work, even if I'd wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I just had to completely, I had to reassess. I reassessed. I was like, okay, why am I doing this? And I was like, well, it's for joy. That's really Mm -hmm. why. Like joy is a a really big thing for me because Mm -hmm. I see it as a way of saying thank you for your life. Um, It's, yeah, a practice of gratitude to me. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going for joy, then why don't I take that step in each moment? Mm -hmm. And so about three weeks into doing this, I was riding my bike to go get a cookie And I actually had a ton of realizations about myself, like that I was dealing with the fear of commitment, that things could have worked for me had I stayed committed to some other things. I did a lot of reflecting, right? Yeah. Um, And also that I had a lot of self-judgment. Like if I wasn't like eating a certain way or speaking a certain way or whatever, I was judging myself. Sure. And yeah, it was super interesting and I was like just let yourself be yeah and so I was going to get this cookie and um when I got there the guy asked me how I was getting through things I was like well I'm a yoga and meditation teacher so I'm fine he's like oh where do you teach I'm like well I'm focusing on my writing right now because I was trying to focus on sharing my gifts right mm-hmm. like I, I knew that that was a gift for me and if you're looking for like what your gift is in life, like first go to where your pleasures are and what people ask you. I think about what people ask you advice for. Mm -hmm. There's, you have plenty of gifts, I'm sure. It's going to be hard for you to choose one. (laughs) Um, But he was like, well, I would love to help you. I thought at this point I was going to be a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, I'll help you bring some of your stuff to life. And so I ended up riding my bike to this stranger's house two days later, and I got a flat tire. And previous me would have been like, oh, this is a sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a test to, of my commitment to my resilience, right? So yep. I 
And I realized that in that moment. And so I decided to um, get an Uber there. And then when I was there, I heard some of my writing with music for the first time. And I just wanted to cry. It was so incredible. And I guess it just made me wish I'd believed in myself so much sooner, right? Like believing in your talents and believing in your gifts. Cause yeah, you're going to have to get better and grow, but if you're not out there trying and working on it, then how will you? I, I uh, think, I think you did find it young actually. Oh, <laughs> I, Really? I mean, there's a lot of people that are your age uh, that are, that are not there. They just like, it's, it's a lot of people don't own their gifts. You know, there's a lot of people that feel, uh, like they don't have anything to offer humanity in, in a way that makes difference or they compare themselves. They don't see the process, you know, they, they might go, well, you know, I'm pretty good at this. And they, they kind of diminish it. I, I saw that a lot in my men's groups that, that men would readily diminish their own gifts uh and and then also not give themselves room to sort of be in a process grow grow something that's that's not there yet for themselves right yeah uh, I, I i i loved your imagery when you said well i'm gonna make my life about joy so that i got on my bike to go get a cookie you know it's like got this <laughs> it's got this really like innocent little girl quality and you know? i'm gonna get <laughs> i could go get a cookie my life's all about joy it's really yeah. super sweet and and Aww. just to, and just to circle back around to something you said when you were earlier when you were talking about your stepdad and stuff it's one thing uh, my parents were married and that whole generation, I don't know how old your, your father and your stepdad were, but my parents were married when they were really young. Like yeah. they were 20 when they had me, I was 40 when I had my son. So think about that for a second. I'm like mm -hmm. 20 years older going through it. Uh, and they just, you know, there was a lot of childhood wounds that, that they had to try to work out on the fly while raising a family. And my parents didn't stay together, but they're good friends now. But I just, I count my blessings that I was not a 20 year old parent. That would have been a disaster for me. I don't think I could have stayed married at that age. Uh, and to have, you know, the wisdom of waiting and becoming a, a father later on. It's not that my shadow doesn't get in the way or I can't get defensive from time to time or just kind of be, you know, impatient with something. Um, but it's like, I'm so much further along in terms of my own maturity and understanding where maybe I do get triggered and I can own it and speak to that, to the emotional undertones that I'm experiencing. That was not available and it wouldn't have been available to me as a 20 year old. Right. Or no. Yeah. And yeah, like all of that terminology is so common these days, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, we have technology, we have social media that really connects those kind of ideas and shares it very effectively. And my parents, yeah, we, they didn't have that. And yeah. I, I even think that like things that cause more trauma were more accepted back in the day too, right? Yeah, like, they totally were. <laughs> like, um, gosh, like I love them so much. And I want to like the things that they went through, it, it was worse, you know? And gosh, part of like your 20s is like realizing that you've been traumatized and then <laughs> realizing that your parents are just human as well and like Absolutely. just learning as well and forgiveness and 
yeah, it's just been such a process. Like first you're like upset. You're like, that hurt me. Like that messed me up because you didn't really realize in the moment. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, you were doing the best with what you had and I can still heal. So that's a big, that's a big realization when you finally go, it's not up to mom and dad to, to, you know, it's, it's up to me to heal the things that have felt wounding to me, right? It's not up to them. And, and, and how do you love the, you know, how you love your parents unconditionally goes a long ways to how you interact with the world. Because if you're constantly going to get triggered by something mom does or whatever, uh, you're going to constantly, you're going to find a partner that triggers you the same way. Cause you, you didn't work that out yet. You, you're going to still, you're, you're still focused have, on the wrong. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I was, I was scrolling through some of your writing and I was really pleased. You had one, uh, blog post called proud to be an American. And that's something that you don't, you, you might see it over on the right or with the libertarians certainly. Um, but you wouldn't, you know, I, I was really pleasantly surprised because we live in such a great nation and it's almost become, uh, you know, untrendy to say you're proud to be an American. You know, it's like, oh, that's being jingoistic. And, you know, what about Ukraine? And, you know, there's there's all this stuff. And now we're just awash in all this woke kind of ideology. And in the woke ideology, uh, you know, it's it's not cool to be proud of your American heritage. But I talk to people all the time, man. I I have some friends in in my community that have moved here from communist nations, and mm-hmm. they and they're like, you don't know the treasure that is the United States. Like that, you guys aren't fighting to protect the freedoms and the liberties of this nation, and just honoring Lady Liberty and honoring the Constitution and what this nation stands for. You have, you know, it's almost like you're you're missing this great gift that you're born in this this constitutional republic. And so I'm, I, you know, anytime I get a chance to kind of do a shout out to America from not a political perspective, like left, right, center, I don't really care where people are on the political spectrum. I have listeners across the board, but that, you know, it's something for me, I've, and I was, you know, really, I went to a, you know, a, a really liberal university and I've, you know, I've lived in very liberal cities my whole life, New York and Seattle, but it's, I've come back full circle to be so proud of my country and really, you know, you said something in the article, you said, quote, I do not fear the future of America for I see the strong foundations that this country was built on thriving evermore, unquote. And I was like, God, that's such a great message. That's such a great uh, optimistic. And I, I share your optimism and your, your gratitude for our country. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Like, is that, is that something that, yeah, do you find it gets talked about um, in your community, in your circles? Is it something that you have to be kind of, well, I can't be too um, vocal about it? Um, or what, what What are you finding in terms of just expressing gratitude for, for our country? Yeah, so I am from Idaho. So it's a very Republican freedom state. And I yeah. think that everybody here is super incredible about being proud to be an American. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a shame that sometimes because we'll have different presidents that it will make us feel like embarrassed to be American. And I've been there. I've been there too. Yep. Um, but yeah, I've just 
like had to, I had to go to a deeper place, right? Like I was not happy at the place that I was at because I was thinking negatively. And so I had to go deeper and I'll read another um, line that I wrote in that article. And just Mm -hmm. with belief in abundance, great work ethic, strong faith, hope in the future and love for all Mm. Americans will continue to live their truly blessed lives in this world, spreading this way of living to the rest of the world so that all may live in peace and joy. I love it. And I think that that's true in every single moment, like with no matter what president you have, the heart of the American people is, is really love, you Mm. know, like how, we support each other's dreams. That's why America is the land for dreams coming true, right? Like yeah. we're supportive of each other. We try so hard to help in ways, like even if it may not be our business. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, totally. yeah. You know, and yeah, I just, I see it. I see the heart. I see why people want to live here. I see Mm -hmm. it's just, it is an incredible place and we've got to be grateful for it. That's, that's Uh a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's such a beautiful nation too. There's so many beautiful parts of it, you know? Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. yeah, As you know, um, you know, I I remember when I was living in New York city, um, I had a couple friends from Austria and, um, you know, we were talking one time at dinner with them and, and I was, I was going to get their take on, on America's cause they were recent, you know, they had just come over, they'd been here for a couple of years. And I'm like, what, what is your, you know, what is your most, what's the most striking thing difference between America and Austria and, um, Gerwald, uh, my friend's husband said, Oh man, he goes, I'll tell you, the biggest difference. He goes, if you have a business idea, let's say you're, you've got kind of an entrepreneurial idea and you're in Austria or really anywhere in Europe, he goes, Mm -hmm. you you start telling your friends about it. They'll go, you can't do that. You know how many permits you need? You know, that's never, he goes, they all will shoot down your idea. You get no traction. Everybody tells you, you can't do it. He goes, you do something here. You mention an idea here to somebody in America they not only encourage your dream, they say, you should talk to Darren and Barbara. Uh, I'm going to connect <laughs> you. I'm going to email you some contact information because I know some people that are venture capital or they're thinking yeah. the same thing or your dream goes with their dream. Let me put you in touch with them. He goes, mm-hmm. it's incredible. He goes, we've, I've already seen that a bunch of times and we just got here. Like people are so optimistic about your ideas and your forward momentum to become more of what you want to be. And I was just like, I'd never heard it put that way from a European perspective. And I remember just going, God, hey, you're right. You know, that is how it is here. And so, and thank God it's like that here because, you know, if, if every time you had a thought, it got shot down by everybody around you, it's like, oh man, you know what? It'd be just a slog of like, I can't quite, you know, actualize what I'm, what I want to see for my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So you, you have a brand new podcast. You're two episodes in. Is that what you said? <laughs> yes, awesome. I am. It's called Rise and Shine. Yeah. 
I love yeah. it. <laughs> Thank what, you. Yeah. So, so what's what's the premise of the show? Uh, what what what's the structure like? Are you interviewing people, or is it a combination of you talking? Like, what's what can people expect if they click on to go check out your your episodes? Yeah. So I lead with a a little bit of a breathing exercise. Mm-hmm. And then I read one of my poems and then I interview my guest, which really the topics can be on anything. Mm -hmm. I just give them the prompt of love. Mm -hmm. And so it really has gone pretty much everywhere, which is a beautiful thing as well. Um, And then the, that takes up a, like the meat chunk of the episode. And then at the end, we share like a fun discovery or fun fact and discuss nice. that a little bit. And, um, to, you know, like to spread hope. And then the last part is expressing gratitude. So we say what we're grateful for. Oh, my God. That sounds like a great structure for a show. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, I hope I hope you do a whole bunch. Are you doing it once a week or every other yep, week? Yep, once a week. Once a week. Yeah. Well, I think you'll find um, that. It really gets, if you commit to it and you're having fun and you're expressing your joy, as you were saying earlier, if it's in alignment with your mission, that it's joyful to co-create podcasts, which it is for me, um, you'll really get, you know, those, those first few are great because you're like, oh my God, I'm out of the gate. And then the, over time, you really start to get your legs under it. Like it really starts to, uh, the divine uh, really starts to shape what, what it is that you're supposed to be talking about with people and you start and all of a sudden the guests you get start to become slightly you know different you know like as as your interests change like let's say you all of a sudden you got really interested in some some other form of the spirituality that you're exploring well then all of a sudden all these guests are coming that are kind of in alignment with that and then the show becomes more about that it's it's a super fascinating i i find podcasting to be so creative i absolutely love it as a writer so i wish you luck i can't i I can't wait i can't wait to listen and then well well carrie is there any other um creative projects that you would like our listeners to know about besides rise and shine do you have um any classes or anything online or or any other writing that you would like us to know about yeah so i'm actually launching my second book at the end of the year which is also poetry and prose and i'd be happy to read you one of them if you'd like and uh from my current book and then um i am working on putting together a meditation series but i am offering free meditation classes to schools so if you work at a school or anything like that we can teach it virtually. Um, I've been doing over Zoom. So I can, especially, I don't know when this is going to air, but Mm -hmm. if it's around finals time and your classroom might need like a nice little meditation or something in the morning, I'd be so happy to help assist. That's great. Where do uh, they find, where do they find that out? What's the name of your website where they can contact yeah, my website is www.walkeriawhitlock.com. Right. And you'll find all my contact information there. So Fantastic. Well, Walkeria, thank you so much for coming on Basecamp for, for Men. It was an absolute delight to speak with you and to find out more about your story. And thanks for sharing your insight and your wisdom and just um, all the things that are inspiring you. Super great. And I wish you luck on your podcast. Um, and again, thanks again. It's been great to meet you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you too. 
I hope you enjoyed our time with Walkeria. I love what she said about being action-oriented, that even when you're trying to figure things out like the direction of your life or maybe the next chapters of your hero's journey, to be in action around things. This is really good advice for all sorts of people who might be feeling stuck. And her expression of joy as being a sort of thank you for your life is fantastic. I plan on using this very reminder myself, as I am also someone that loves to express joy in play in its many forms. To find Walkiria's book, I Love What I've Forgotten, or her meditation instruction for schools, go to www.walkiriawhitlock.com. That's W-A-L-K-Y-R-I-A-W-H-I-T-L-O-C.com. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Then remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac. Thank you for listening to Base Camp for Men.